I want to welcome my guest speaker today, Marvelous Mark. And, and I'm going to leave it short just like that because Marvelous Mark is really not just a name, it's a description. And, and I really think that's the easiest way to describe him. He is a uh, best-selling author. He's a motivational speaker. He's a team builder. He energizes teams. He energizes companies and people. I've seen him at some large trade shows speaking, and uh, it just takes the entire level of activity higher. As you can see, or you won't see until he comes on the screen momentarily, he's just sitting there with drumsticks ready to go. So, Mark, come on in and say hi. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and in case I don't see a good night. Well, thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and, and just a reminder that the way that we uh, do this is when someone is talking, they're the actual entire screen. Okay. So just kind of yeah, I saw that on the uh, I saw that on the program. So just jumping back and forth with that. So I I kind of gave you the buildup of what you do, but it doesn't really explain what you do. I don't know if you kind of get into that, and then we'll go from there. Well, that's interesting that you say that because that's been a challenge most of my career because I've tried to run my business by one of the uh, groups that I speak about, which of course is KISS. And the, the KISS question in my presentation is, what are you willing to do that others are not? Well, KISS was willing to put on makeup spandex and get a tongue implant, so the rumor has it. Uh, and they just wanted to kind of create a disruption and set themselves apart so what happened was they wound up setting themselves so far apart that you couldn't help but remember them. And they actually were in a league of their own for many, many years before people started seeing that, hey, the, uh, the clown makeup rock stars really were scaling their business. They weren't just music giants. They were business giants. So that's really, uh, in a nutshell, what I try to teach businesses, whether they're entrepreneurs, small or large, is, you know, what's your disruptor, what's your kiss, how you can set yourself apart, hence the name Marvel Less, because less can give you more when you start scaling back of all the business in your business. Well, it's interesting that you describe their business model that way, because we've talked in the past about a book that we recommended called Blue Ocean Strategies. And it's and it's it's a heavy read. There's no question about it. It's very detailed, but it basically teaches companies how to set themselves apart. Don't fight the competition. Don't get caught in that race to zero pricing. Be out there. Be the individual, like you're talking about. No, you're right, and I love that book. I've I've read it a couple times, and it's so true. And you can use that comparison to to anything. And I think you know a lot of times, you know, when we were talking. In business today, how we're sometimes too busy being busy, we don't have time to go for the the deep sea fishing. You know, uh, so many businesses chase each other's clients, or we're all going after the same piece of business. We're all bidding and you know sending out RFPs a lot of times, unless we have our you know loyal client base. But when we're trying to generate new business, you know what's going to set yourself apart? Are you fishing in the shallow water, or are you going to go for that one big fish, that one big account that will be loyal to for you for the next five to 10 years? Well, we, we have a very niche market uh, with what we do, and we deal with everything under the umbrella of indoor air quality. And basically, it's all about the market being just people that breathe. 
So it kind of narrows it down to everybody. And that's kind of what our membership base is, which consists of uh, sole proprietors, mom and pop type operations up to very large corporations and franchises and licensees, companies and things like that. So for you to talk to this group, I don't know if you could find a common ground that fits across all of that span or do you, do you need to address it separately? No, I, what I want to talk about today is uh, some heavy duty psychology on using the 80-20 principle or the 80-20 rule uh, in your business, because I've found whether I'm talking to people like myself, that's an, been an entrepreneur since about 1985 and a small business owner, uh, usually anywhere from you know two to eight employees to the people that I speak to that are large corporations that have thousands of employees and their sales teams or their business development teams. Uh, we really need to spend more time uh, in that blue ocean where the big fish are, are on that 20% and we have to strip back that 80% to find that 20%. And that's a couple of things that I wanna share with today. Well, why don't we get started? And I'll turn it over to you. I think you wanted to share your screen there for a moment or two. Yeah, I will in just a second. Um, the first thing, I just want to make sure that everybody is aware of the basic principle of the 80-20 rule, which is 80% of your results come from 20% of what you do. So, so many of us are working in that 80% area, which I'll show a little graph a little bit earlier on what that means, but what does it look like and how do we get to a position where we have that confidence and courage to get to that 20% because really getting to that 20% is letting go, or as I call it, since I'm from Las Vegas, how to be a stripper in your business without taking your clothes off. And that's really taking away, uh, uh, stripping away everything that's not, uh, you know, really going to drive what your business is. But, but the first thing that you want to do uh, in your business uh, for yourself, and this is going to take some time. So, uh, it's going to, whenever you have planning time, you're going to have to actually go a little deep with yourself. And that is clarifying what I call your future rock star self is. Who do you want to be in the next three to five years? Or where do you want your business to be in the next three to five years? Because so many of us have a hard time looking, you know, especially in today's world with the labor shortage and all of those challenges and supply chain shortages, we have a hard time looking 10 days or 10 weeks into the future without, you know, going 10 months or three to five years into the future. So um, I call it the stage. The first stage that I challenge your audience to do is to take a few minutes sometime, you know, turn off the phone, turn off your dings, uh, find a private place and really write out who you are in the future. Who's your future rock star self? Where do you want to be in the next three to five years? And that's going to take sometimes looking back of where you were and how you reframe your past and defining your future rock star self, if that makes sense. Oh, it, it does. And, and I'm going to ask you as we go through this today to, to think about how you can help motivate some of our people, because we talk to the people that we train, our students, our members, all the time about planning for the future. And it gets as granular as somebody will have an assessment coming up and they'll order a dozen swabs to then go out and do the assessment. 
I mean, they cost a dollar or two a piece. I mean, come on, guys, you're in this business. Have the tools that you need. Think, think down the road, you're going to get another job. And we have that extreme all the way up to people that just buy in tons of stuff and they're prepared. So it's everything in between that we're dealing with. So we need to motivate those people that don't think ahead like that. Well, and one of the problems is, and this leads to my next statement, is that a lot of people really don't know how or why uh, they need to look into the future because we've been taught for years in the industrial age that, you know, you set a goal and then you work towards that goal or you set a goal that you think uh, you can easily achieve and then you work towards that goal. And then when you achieve it, uh, you give yourself a pat on the back. But the real question is, uh, if you remember the movie, The Jerk and Steve Martin, he talked about his special purpose. My question for your audience is, what is your special purpose? What is the one or two things that you love to do and that you do best, uh, better than than anybody else? And I'll tag on to that by saying, don't confuse purpose with passion, because a lot of us are passionate about certain things. You may be passionate about, you know, getting clean water to everyone in Africa. But is that going to scale your business? Is that going to pay your bills? Is that going to um, support your family? For me, my purpose is, you know, getting on and rocking as many stages as possible possible. And that's pretty much what I've done my whole life. You know, that's what I love to do. Uh, that's what I'm good at. I'm good at connecting and energizing audiences. And I, I recently put on my vision board, uh, I will never retire. I will die on stage. Because people ask, you know, all the time, why are the Rolling Stones still touring? They don't need the money. You're right. They don't need the money. But if they stopped they would die. That's all they've ever done. That's what they love to do. They've been on planes. They've been in buses. They go from city to city. That's their special purpose. And the special purpose is that one or two things that you, you know, as a business owner or as an employee that you do really, really well. And if you focused on that, if you put like 80 to 100% on that one or two things, how would it take your business or your yourself to a volume 11? I call it the V11 mindset. You know, how can you raise the volume on your life? So that's, that's step one. Where do they go from there? All right. Step two. Is letting go. All right. And this is the hard part. This is the, the bit, uh, the Disney part. I'm going to go ahead and share my screen. Cause I got a nice, visual on this this is kind of the um, there we go so this is kind of my version or graph of the 80 20 rule which i was talking about in the beginning. So most of us are in cover band, what I call cover band mindset. Uh, we keep doing what we've always done, or we keep 80% of what we've done most of the time. So you see that I've, you know, put some ideas over there. So 80% of what you're doing is your current self or your past self. We're doing the same things. It's uh, linear growth. It's more of what you're doing. 
uh, when you play in the 80% area, area it's non-transformational. Um, it's lesser goals. It's easy to achieve goals. It's spreading yourself thin because 80%, you're busy being busy again. It's your comfort zone. It's it's uh, where you feel safe and and security. And then it's it's basically the same stage that you had five or six years ago. You can turn up your volume probably two times uh, and by just keep doing what you're always doing. But the path to your big unreasonable dream or your special purpose, that's going to lie in that 20% area that you see on the, on the screen. And that 80%, that's what you're going to have to learn to let go of. Because I say, what, what got you here won't get you there. The same level of action, the same level of knowledge, the same employees, the same skill levels, it's not going to take your business from here to here. Now, if you're happy with what you're doing and the volume and the business and the dollars uh, and, and your level of service, uh, if you're happy with that, that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But for those that really want to scale their business before, because you're tapped out right now, your bandwidth is pretty much at its wits end. So what are you going to be able to, as I said earlier, strip away of this 80%? What can you strip away and only leave the 20? You know, and, it sounds to me very much like what we refer to as growing pains. Yeah, that's and exactly people, right. And people avoid the growing pains usually. And the reason they do that is because they want to stay comfortable. One of my favorite quotes, I think it was from Jim Rohn or Jim Collins, uh, you're the average of the five people that you hang out with the most, you know, or it's, it's, that's, that's your comfort zone. Well, to go to 20%, to scale your business and go to that 20%, you're probably going to have to find new band members. And what the cool thing is about it, if you're smart, is that you can take that 80% that you may not want to let go of, and you can hire new people to take care of that. Uh, a great example uh, was back in the nineties. I was one of the highest paid wedding DJs back in South Florida and in the mid uh, mid 90s I was making more than anybody else and I got hooked up with an agent and we decided to put together this big international touring show well I was doing like anywhere from 20 to 25 gigs a month and I was just I loved it but I was always tired and I was always tapped out so my philosophy was I can triple my price do this national touring show. And if I lose half of my business, even if I lose two thirds of my business, I'm still going to have the same amount of money coming in. Well, what happened was that when I let go of my old self and went to my new future rock star self, I, I went to a whole different level of clients and budgets. And I was almost as busy at triple the price as I was uh, at my lower price. But what I did was I hired a local DJ guy and took him in as a partner, and he took care of all my old business and was just paying me 10%. So I was still getting residuals as I was exploding into a new growth, that, that new 20%. So I hope that makes sense to your, to your audience. you got to strip away. you got to let go of that 80% and figure out where the 20% is. And then eventually, here's the here's the cool part. Eventually, that 20% will become your new 80. You know, a couple of years down the road, you're going to master that 20%. And then you'll have to strip that away. And you can see over the next three, five, 10 years, 
who knows where your business will be. But, you know, we, we use another term, we call it verge. We're always on the verge of moving into the next level, you know, and you, you get to where you, you anticipated being, and now you're pushing beyond that. And you look in the rearview mirror and see the verges behind you. And now you're into all of this new territory again, and you're relearning all this new stuff again, but you're getting bigger. Right. And I, I think that's brilliant. I love, I, I love that term. I'm actually going to, to research that a little bit and see if I can put a little rock star uh, spin on that. But here's where, here's another area where a lot of us as entrepreneurs and business owners fall short. We're not really a hundred percent committed. You know, if, if, if you're really going to try to scale your business, you really have to go all in 98% is not a hundred percent. 100% commitment is actually easier than 98% because there's a great quote from Robert DeBrawl who says, we are kept from our goals, not by obstacles, but a clear path to a lesser goal. So if that makes sense, like when we're 100% committed to, you know, whatever our future rock star self is, or whatever our future rock star business is, then that means that there are less ways to get there. It's called pathways thinking. There are less, less pathways for you to get there. And it actually becomes easier and you actually start saving time or gaining at rapid growth because 80%, doing 80% of what you've already done, you already know how to do that. You're, you're doing maybe five, 10, 15 different things. But when you commit to that 20% or a high level, that kicks in the pathway thinking and there's less things that are going to make you scale or make your business scale to that area. And then it actually becomes easier. Well, I don't want to derail you from what you're talking about now, but just what you're talking about and looking at the 80, 20% brings up something that I've experienced from being in the government arena for so many years. And I see a lot of it in private industry where you're seeing 80% of the work being done by 20% of your workers. How do you change that? How do you motivate that percentage that is not doing the workload like the other top performers? Well, there's a couple of different ways. And that's funny that you say that because that's something that comes up a lot. You know, per personally, my opinion is you take that 20% and you invest more training and pay them more and give them better benefits than the 80% uh, because that's going to fuel them and give them more incentive to stick around there. It's going to make them think better. It's going to make them scale what they're doing because that 20% has a way, you know, they have an ethic and they have a vision on how they're doing things. And now they can take that 20%, turn it into the 80% and then strip that away. And then you would probably promote them. Um, there's, a, there's a phrase called, are you a manager or a maker? You know, a lot of your 80% people are gonna be managers. And as business owners, you know, you don't want to be a manager, hire someone to be a manager. You want to be the maker. You're the one that has that special purpose. You know, the vision, you know, the goal, you know, uh, when you're, when you're working towards that 20%, the question is, what is the most important thing that you could accomplish right now that would give you a clear path to that goal or to that future self? If there, if you had to take the time to figure out what is one thing that if I put all of my energy or if I 
took the 20% of my rock stars and we all focused on that one thing, what, how would that explode our business? And what would that one thing be? So I think once the other 80% uh, of the employees see how the rock stars are being treated, some of them are probably going to get disgruntled and quit. Good. Bye-bye. You know, we don't want you in our band anyway. And some of them, I think, are going to maybe, uh, how can I get some of that action? How can I get that raise? How can I get in the elite group or the, uh, you know, you're going from garage band to name act or Lagapalooza band, main stage band. And I think you'll be able to nurture and train some of those lesser gold employees and get them into the 20% with the rock stars. And I would even set up a mentor program, uh, have them take someone that they feel will be, you know, the more 20 percenters you have, the faster and exponential growth your business is going to have. You know, that 20% is really, I would, I would classify as your people. And one of the biggest things I've seen is to motivate them is to take care of your people, exactly what you're saying. And then you'll see the other people come along. I want to be part of that. I want to be on that team. And you do team building. You talk all about that. And that's really people want to belong. They want to be on the team. They want to be going forward. They want to be involved. Yeah. And having play at work, I've got a few articles on my blog, blog and on my LinkedIn about how important play is in the workplace and being transparent with your bud. You don't want to keep your bud or you don't want to keep your special purple purpose to yourself. You want to make sure that everybody knows what it is. And hopefully, you know, especially the 20%, they're going to buy into it as much or greater than you. And they feel like they're part of something greater. They, they begin to feel like it's their company and it's their purpose. And those are the ones that are not going to be uh, able to leave or want to leave. Those are the ones that are going to be loyal to your organization because now it's like their band. It's I'm not just a player in the band. It's my band. And I spoke to a uh, company last year in Cleveland. It was, uh, it was a franchise company called USA Insulation. And their employees are blowing in insulation. They're in 130 degree attics, uh, crawling around and itchy material, you know the drill. And this one uh, franchisee out of Austin, Texas, told me they had a waiting line of people wanting to come to work for them because of the culture that they created. They like treated their people well. They got to know their families. They would have picnics. They would open their vision. They were really flexible on time off if they had kids, you know, doing activities at school. And um, when I thought about that, I was just blown away. Like everybody else almost in that meeting were suffering from a labor shortage. And here this, these guys figured it out, like, you know, take care of your people and be flexible with their work schedule. And you're going to have people that want to come to work for you. So they're actually waiting to grow their business because they have people that want to work for them so bad. You know, if you go back and you look at the uh, the humanistic studies of how people act, the behaviors of uh, groups of people, people want to belong. They they really do. I mean, even on the negative side of uh, people joining gangs and stuff like that, they don't have family lives or whatever their situation is. They're looking to belong, be accepted, be part of a group. And that's really what this is. You want your employees to feel engaged, at least 
what you're talking about lines up with the you know philosophies that we try to go by you can't well, be the only one with the great ideas there's other people with a lot of talent out there that usually work for you right and that brings up two two points uh one is purpose trumps knowledge you know every day of the week i i love that you brought that up because it it's it's so so true you want your people to have the same goal and vision you you want them to see the greater good of of what you know your business does for the general public and other businesses because it's it's amazing work that your viewers do and what their companies uh do and keeping them happy and engaged uh, you know, and doing some sort of teamwork is just one way uh, towards doing that. And actually, um, this company, uh, this USA Insulation Company, also uh, would do one-on-ones with them. Like, come to us if you have something going on in your life. Don't hold it in. You know, there's there's the mental health buzz, you know, going on in today's workplace and we as business owners we as managers or we as makers you know that's part of our responsibility now you know back in the old school days you know when the boomers were running everything uh, it was just like show up do your work or get out you know but now it's it's not that way we have to be more compassionate we have to be more flexible in our management skills and uh, our level of compassion for yeah. our people if you want to keep them so what would step three be if we've gotten to that point? Yeah, step three is what I call find the bottleneck or identify and find the bottleneck. There's a thing. That's one thing I didn't figure out. And I get this to advance. Just click on the screen. Man, you are so smart. Thank you for calling Normie support. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's a real person that I'm talking to. Yeah. So stage three, uh, I call is identify and find the bottleneck. And I say bottleneck is because rock stars, most rock stars are very familiar with uh, a bottleneck. Uh, but it's originally called the theory of constraints. So on one side, uh, that's where most of us play. You know, we're in cover band mode. That's 80% of what we're doing. And we're being busy. You know, our business is doing okay. But man, we're stressed out. We're tired. We got people coming and going all the time. Uh, it just seems like we can never get caught up. And on the other side, that's where we want to be. And that's, you know, in name act mode that's our future rock star self that's where i was saying who do you want to be what goals do you want to achieve in the next three to five years well almost every goal well actually every goal every goal and almost every business has a bottleneck there's something keeping us going from cover van to name act it's almost like a, a kink in a garden hose you can have a kink in a garden hose and you can keep cranking up the pressure on the one side and it doesn't matter. It's still going to be dripping out on the other side. And that's the same way with finding the bottleneck uh, in your business. You know, uh, we how need do to, you find that? Well, I mean, there's a couple of different ways. Uh, first is, like you said, talk to your employees. They're the ones that are out in the field. They are the ones that, you know, are having interactions 
with the customers. They're seeing what's going on. So, you know, that's the first thing that I would do would be, you know, talk to them. What What's keeping us from growing or what challenges, what can we do as a company? What can I do as your boss, your manager uh, to make your job easier or to get the job done faster or better or more efficiently? Could be technology. Maybe we should invest in some new software or new technology, or maybe, you know, you're running with old gear and old equipment or old products, and we need to uh, upgrade and try some, some uh, uh, new things. Uh, but it doesn't matter how much energy your whole band, you can have your whole band over there on, on the left side, uh, but pushing, but it's not going to get through to the end game on the other side until you find the bottleneck. Now, here's the fun part. If you can't find the bottleneck, then guess what? You're probably the bottleneck. So we're stuck in our old ways of thinking. We don't want to change or we don't want to take a risk because for some of us, you know, hiring new people when we think we can't afford it uh, to take care of that 80% so we can scale on the 20 is, is scary. You know, there again, I and that old graph, the 80% is, is fear. It's scary. It's your comfort zone, but you can't afford not to. You know, figure out a way where can you cut costs or where can you get a loan or something to hire that extra person or two so that you can uh, let go. And then as an individual, if you're the bottleneck, then that's, that's you know, you've got a fixed mindset or you don't have a growth mindset. So look in the mirror. Am I the bottleneck? You know, am I keeping my company from growing because I don't want to change or I want to keep doing things the same way, or I don't want to invest in my people, let them leave. I'll just hire somebody else. And then you just keep going on with the same, uh, same problems over and over again. You know, we deal with a lot of people that have been in the indoor air quality, mold assessment, mold remediation industry for 20, 30 plus years. And they'll come to our classes and, you know, you can see when they're sitting down, they, they almost kind of have the chip on the shoulder. I've been doing this forever. I've seen it all. I know everything. And we're doing it the way we did when we started. And, you know, you think about it and you go, so you're still using a telephone that plugs into the wall, right? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. We have cell phones. Well, you've changed. Things have changed over 20 years or 30 years. You know, you are doing things newer now. There's more concepts. And usually by the time we've gotten to the first day of one of our classes, their response is, I have actually learned how much I don't know. They haven't learned what they need to know, but they've learned what they don't know. And that's a good start. No, I love that uh, mindset uh, because um, you don't, I think it's Brian Tracy said, you don't want to be the smartest person in the room. Uh, if you, if you are, you want to find a new room, you know, and the fact that, you know, instead of trying to defend your decisions, why not ask an opinion? I was listening to something this morning and I thought, oh, I got to share this. You know, instead of trying to prove why you're right or why you're doing it the right way. And a lot of times, you know, at the trade shows, I've seen, you know, very smart people up on that stage, but they keep trying to defend their way. You know, they keep on trying to say, this is the way to do it. This is, you know, if you want to grow your business, if you want to get X, Y, Z, this is what you got to do rather than asking an opinion. Well, what do you think? You know, this is what I do. And what I'm sharing with you now is just 
what's worked for me for the last two years. I've I've done a, a, a V11 in the last year and a half. I mean, I started applying these principles and coming out of the pandemic, my, my business has exploded. So I'm getting ready to take the year and a half, 20% which is now my 80 and getting ready to strip away and find the new 20% to go to the next level. So that's, that's a great point. I love that. So we have, like I said, a lot of very small companies and a lot of large companies, the smaller companies, it's much, much easier to pivot, to change your direction, to come up with new concepts, but you get some of these larger companies and organizations. It's like trying to turn an aircraft carrier. You know, it's it's eventually going to get there, but you're, you know, 20, 30 miles down the road or, you know, across the ocean. How do you, how do you talk to them and say, find these bottlenecks and how do you change direction? Well, I think, you know, the, the one thing that larger companies do have, uh, and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad, is, you know, their teams, their board of directors uh, or, you know, their their masterminds, uh, so to speak. And I think, you know, first there again, it goes back to these three stages, that large company, just like the small company, they got to be crystal clear and hundred percent, not 98% committed of where they're going in the next three to five years. So you have to really, really spend some time on that first stage and defining your special purpose, defining uh, who you are or where you want to take your business. So, you know, uh, if, if you don't know where you're going, uh, you better be careful because you might end up somewhere else. So before they even need to think about turning the aircraft or turning the aircraft carrier, you know, on that big, wide, slow turn, you better uh, make sure you know what direction you need to turn it into first. And then once you're clear on that, that's when you get together with your teams. And sometimes it's good to bring in outside sources, depending on how the company structure is and the level of secrecy or what they're willing to share and not share. But then you can you have a better opportunity of finding out what the bottleneck is. And then, you know, you see that 80 percent, take the 80 percent of what you can and just throw it all in and, you know, start start turning that wheel uh, and you'll eventually get there. And that, that's one advantage to the small business owners listening out there. Remember, that's one advantage that you have over uh, the big players in your industry is the power of the pivot. You can make decisions faster. It's kind of like the little, I don't know what the name is because I'm not a big Star Wars fan, but I remember, you know, the storm, not the stormtroopers, but uh, uh, the good guys, you know, they had their little bitty ships and they could weave in and out of there and they went into the big mothership and was able to knock out their power and that sort of thing. That's how I see the uh, the small business owners. But there's something to say about size. You know, you have more resources, you have more cash flow a lot of times. Uh, so you can make bigger jumps and you can take bigger risks. So there's pros and cons to to being big and being small. Okay, well, I mean, you got the constraints that you're talking about, uh, whether it's something you can move out of the way or move out of your own way, you know, you, you're basically going to have to go forward and push forward. Next step. Well, that's really the the final step. And um, to to kind of bring it all full circle after you, you know, you figure out where you want to be your future rock star self in three to five years. Once you determine or strip away the 80 percent 
to find the 20% of what you need to focus your best people on and your best resources on. And doing that, it's probably going to make the bottleneck appear or help you find the bottleneck easier. And once you open up that bottleneck, I say, you know, you just got to remind yourselves of the four C's and these four C's come from uh, Dan Sullivan and the four C's of what I call V11 or volume 11 is first, you have to make the commitment, you know, whether you're the big business out there listening or the small business owner out there listening, you have to make the commitment and take the time, as I said, to find and define your big unreasonable dream, your goal, uh, or who you want to be in the next three to five. So once you commit, that's going to the next C is courage, because it's going to take courage. It's going to take courage to leave the 80 and go for the 20, because the 20 is uncomfortable. The 20 is the unknown. Uh, the 20 is things that you don't know yet. You're probably not going to know how to get to your future self, but that's where you have to focus on. It's going to take courage. So when you have that courage and you take that leap of faith to do that and maybe hire new people to take care of the uh, the 20, because that's, uh, or take care of the 80, that's, that's courage as well. Then that's going to lead to capability or capabilities thinking, uh, you know, uh, places like you know, uh, normie, where they can get education, where they can get ideas, because again, what got you here won't get you there. So when you're going to scale 20, there's less options that are going to get you there. So you're going to have to find new capabilities, new pathways uh, to get you there. And then the final thing is confidence. Once you start seeing the results, your confidence is going to build. And then it just goes back to the rock and roll world, step and repeat, step and repeat. Your 20 will soon be your 80. And then you strip that 80 away and find that 20 and you focus everybody on that 20. And then that 20 begin uh, in a couple of years will become your 80. And then you strip it away. And, you know, who knows where you'll be in three to five years. It's, re it's really exciting once you wrap your head around it uh, and, and really watch it grow. And, you know, full transparency for me, when I was, you know, in trying to absorb or be a sponge for all of this, it took me a good eight months to be fully committed. I was just trying a little bit at a time. Okay, getting some good feedback. Maybe I'll step out a little bit more in the deeper water. Okay, that's working. And so don't feel that you just have to go all in and spend all this money hiring new people or and things like that. Uh, you can do it at a little at a time, but the, the faster you do it, the faster you're going to get there and grow. So I have to ask you a question on a personal note. Okay. What's what's with the drumsticks? The drumsticks, uh, that is uh, one of my disruptors or differentiators that I incorporated in my shows back in the late 90s. So as, as you can see, I use them in my presentation and they can brand them. So I actually, uh, when I'm speaking on stage, every person in the audience gets a pair of company branded drumsticks, or if it's an association, sometimes sponsors uh, sponsor them. And instead of doing old school applauding, like we've done for 2000 years, we have new AI. We have these drumsticks to keep everybody engaged, keep something in their hands. Uh, I, I call back to them. I ask people, you know, to, to play along with the music and things like that. Then, then at the end, I bring it full circle on how we can drum up business, how we can beat the competition and how your company walks to the beat 
of a different drummer and set yourself apart. And then I'll divide the audience into a team building activity and we'll actually build a band and then imagine, you know, a hundred to a thousand people with drumsticks, uh, with some great classic rock and roll. And then I kick the mic stand and body surf off the stage. There you have it. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I kind of knew that, you know, there was a specific reason for the drumsticks and to go back to where we started, it helps you separate yourself from everyone else. There you go. You know, it's as simple as that drumsticks. And at trade shows, you know, I, I, I carry these everywhere. I carry these to restaurants. Uh, my wife gets mad at me sometimes like we're going out on a date. I, like, I don't care. And I, I take them everywhere and people will come up and ask you, Hey, what's with the drumsticks? Are you a drummer? And I'll tell them I'm a tabletop uh, percussionist. And uh, then it starts a conversation. Back in my crazy days in the 90s, uh, I used to walk around with a rubber chicken, uh, whether it was a black tie event or whether it was a trade show. And either people would ask me, what's with the chicken? Or people would ask someone else, hey, who's that guy with the chicken? And the same way now, who's that guy with the drumsticks? And everybody wants a pair. So find, find that disruption in your business uh, that sets yourself apart and Try to run your business like Kiss. Find your spandex and makeup. We were just at the Experience Trade Show a month ago, <clears throat> and we were down in Fort Lauderdale. <clears throat> one of the uh, one of our members, he has a, a manpower company. He can supply thousand, two thousand people for like major disasters, stuff like that. But his name's David DeGroff, a really good guy. We've dealt with him and uh, done a lot of things together. But he showed up in a fluorescent yellow three-piece suit. The only thing brighter than his suit were the shoes he was wearing, which were an orangish color. And I actually asked him, does it take batteries, you know, just, just, to, <laughs> just to produce that color? And I said, why, why are you doing this? He says, I could not purchase this kind of advertising for what it costs for this suit. You know, the suit was very inexpensive. I got it off of Amazon and everybody's coming up to me. What do you do? How do you do it? Why are you wearing that? Like you carrying drumsticks. He separated himself from the other thousand or so people that were there by wearing that. Yeah. And my challenge for your listeners out there, you know, if you're a supplier and you go to trade shows, you know, what can you do to make your booth stand out and attract people to come to you? Everybody, you know, does the stress balls or they do candy in a dish, or maybe they'll have a little wheel of fortune and give away some, some cheesy uh, prizes. You know, I, I saw one, I was just at the national apartment association in Atlanta. It was 11,000 people and they had a putt putt green in their booth. Okay. We've seen that before, but instead of holes, they had like, $20 bills. So when you put the golf ball, if it landed on a $20 bill, you got to keep it. And I thought there's an old school game that they just took to the uh, next level. I, I love it. Uh, so that was just one thing I saw. So for the supplier members out there, uh, you know, what can you do to set your trade show apart uh, from everybody else to draw people to your booth? And for the, the business owners, whether you're a large business or small, you know, what, what is your kiss? What can you do? What can you have your employees uh, do, wear? You know, uh, a lot of people say, well, 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 we have the best customer service. Well, then if that's your disruptor, your differentiator, you know, uh, that's easily copied. Your competition can easily see what your 
doing and then next thing you know you're not uh, a disruption anymore so you know what can you challenge yourself or your people to do that's going to set your business apart and remember them how are they going to think of you first well the next really important question how does somebody get in touch with you or if they want your book or to bring you into one of their trade shows yeah i'm a pretty easy find you can just <clears throat> Google Marvelous Mark, and you can spell it uh, the way I spell it, which is M-A-R-V-E-L-L-E-S-S, -S, or you can spell it the correct way, M-A-R-V-E-L-O-U-S uh, on, on Google, or you can just go to MarvelousMark.com, and uh, um, you know, that's, that's, that's the easy way. You can actually, you can actually type in uh, Rockstar Keynote Speaker, and I'll pop, pop up, so... Well, I've seen you at trade shows. I've seen the energy that you produce here. You're much more low-key today. I think it's good <laughs> because we have a small screen that we're looking at. But I will tell you from what I've seen of you and listening to you talk and the passion that you have, I have to correct you on a statement you made earlier today. Uh -oh. You said that you were going to die on stage. I disagree. I don't think you'll stop working until six months after you die on stage. <laughs> Well, I, pre I appreciate that. I, I don't know if my wife will, because that's just going to delay her benefits, but. Uh, it is what it is. It is what it is. Mark, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much for spending it here with us. I'm sure our listeners will get a lot out of this and uh, maybe we'll do a follow-up in the future and hope to see you at some trade shows. Yeah. And I want to say to your uh, people out there, because uh, some of this stuff is really, really deep till you really think about it because the psychology behind it is kind of against what we've been taught in schools or what our parents and mentors many of our mentors have taught us if anyone out there in your audience wants to private message me uh, and ask me to explain it a little bit more or you know I can share with them a couple blogs that talk about it a little bit more I'm I'm really really happy uh, to do that because I love what your industry does and what it's all about. And, you know, you have some of the greatest American loving, you know, people out there in the world and, and my heart goes out to them and what they do. Thank you. Take care, Mark. See ya. <laughs>